Greetings. This is a different feel, isn't it? I am... Uh, we, we were discussing at the board level if the person up front could get away without a mask or not. So I hope uh, you don't mind. If you do, please let me know later. Um, I was just recently at Harmony for Sabbath School, the Harmony Church, and I was singing with a mask on. I can tell you, that is something else. Uh, uh, I don't know how you sing, but when I sing, I, I was trained in a choir, so I take these really deep breaths, and I almost swallow the mask, and then I blow it back out again, and I swallow the mask and blow it out. Anyhow, I'm glad that um, we can be together here. The weather is also not really encouraging for people to come out. If you can watch a beautiful live stream, hi, if any of you are out there at this time. This week, I uh, was thinking about a lot about our history uh, those of you who are familiar with my background I like history we have a tremendous history as a country we have a tremendous history as a church we have a tremendous history as Christians and uh, think of some of the history that has brought us to the time where we're at now um, it's amazing so as we get started this morning I'd like to share a message that um, means a lot to me I've shared it under another title. Quite a few, uh, it was two, over two years ago, there was a no electricity in the church. We had a snowstorm. And we all sat right over here. And I remember distinctly everyone sitting here, and I shared what I'm going to share with you today, uh, greatly modified today, because we're coming from a different perspective, a different time. But it's a message that I think is enduring, uh, as the title of the sermon today is, endure i'd like it if you'd be so kind just to bow your heads with me father as we step into your word as we open the pages that you have inspired i pray for your holy spirit to open our minds i ask in your name amen That passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, is one of great relevance, I believe, today. We look at the time of the year that we're living in, this weekend, uh, that's focused somewhat around Memorial Day, and I like to read this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 again and 4. And I'm very thankful that I had my daughter to read it the first time. Verse 3 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Endurance. Physical endurance is needed when you do any kind of sport activity, uh, running, swimming, or whatever other activity it may be. Intellectual endurance is needed. Any of you who have gone to get a college degree or got certification in some specialty, you need intellectual endurance. And then uh, if you've ever lived in a scenario where it's not pleasant, it's not easy, and people make your life miserable, emotional endurance is necessary. 
Sometimes we have to have emotional endurance uh, in work, society. Some people don't have to have emotional endurance in their own homes. And then there's mothering and parenting. And they have their own set of needs for endurance. Uh, I've heard it said, once a parent, always a parent. So that means I've got some endurance in front of me. And those of you who know what I'm talking about, God bless you. Especially grandparents, it adds to your endurance. Survival and success in a chosen area often depend on your ability to endure. I remember as a child, so many times I wanted to quit something, and my father would make this line, uh, say something, something like this. And I forgot it because he told me a couple of different ones. Here it is. You told me about a quitter, but this was when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I don't know if any of you have heard that growing up. I heard that a lot. Um, I thank God today that my parents did not allow me to be a quitter, and they, and they ins- insisted on drilling into my sister and I that enduring is a good thing. I didn't always feel the way it was a good thing, but they insisted on teaching that. I think in the discussion of endurance, there are a few occupations that require more endurance than that of soldiering. Um, not because there is this extreme need always of endurance in one area, although sometimes we may think of that in our special forces, but it's because you need endurance in every area, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally. In his book, Almost a Miracle, John Furling describes the Revolutionary Army of 1776 with these words. Ragged and unkept, the soldiers must have looked like a band of violent malefactors. An astounding number were in desperate straits as deep autumn's bitter cold descended on New Jersey. Washington reported that many of them were entirely naked or so thinly clad as to be unfit for service. And this statement was corroborated by Colonel Glover, who remarked that he had seen men go to duty without stockings, breeches, or shoes. Nothing to cover their nakedness but a blanket. And they were among the fortunate. Some had no blanket. Virtually none possessed a tent. And during that November-December, every common soldier at times experienced pangs of hunger. One officer said that an alarming number resembled animated scarecrows. Soldiering was not for the faint of heart. One of the main battles of the Civil War was fought in part, and this is challenged, but from everything I'm seeing, one of the main battles of the Civil War was fought in part because people were out looking for just basic supplies, among which were shoes. Um, And that battle uh, was actually the turning point in the Civil War, the Battle of Gettysburg. As I have read concerning the battlefields of today's wars, a lot of them over in the Middle East, I read that emotional endurance is necessary in a way that we've never imagined before. Being on full alert, never at ease for months on end. I believe the veterans of our day are deserving of respect as the ones before. So I want to take some time, just publicly, to acknowledge any veterans in our audience who have served the cause of freedom. If there are any here, you can raise your hand or 
okay? And I know that there's probably some that are watching right now. Uh, I think my father, not think, my, my father I think is watching and he is uh, served as well. Just as our military men and women have fought for political freedom, there have been spiritual soldiers who fought for spiritual freedom. And today we're going to be looking at them, kind of springboarding off this text of Paul's in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Any man, let me rephrase that, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are teachers, literature evangelists, administrators, missionaries, pastors who have served our church. They have fought through the thick and the thin. They have struggled to make sure that things happen for the kingdom of God. And to them I also would like to acknowledge. You see, this is a, there's a hardship that's faced but more importantly is the word that I'd like to spend time focusing on today, and that is the word endure. What does it mean to endure? What is endurance about? How does it look like? Why do we have to endure? What's the purpose for it? What's the cause of it? How do we do it? What does it look like? We're going to spend some time right now. Paul is the man we're going to focus on. Paul is the one who gave the counsel to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So does he know what he's talking about? I guess that'd be the first place to start. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. While you're turning there, we're looking at this endurance of hardship. And we're going to be looking at specifically what is endurance from the life of Paul. That'll be our first, first question. Acts, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we're not going to answer the question in 2 Corinthians 11, but we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 11 first. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and what verse did I share with you? Did I share a verse? Verse 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Paul says this. For from the Jews, five times I read 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day... I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. You get the impression he was in peril. Uh, he, he's, peril is a word he's using strongly here. And then he says this, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul endured. You know, there's a, a phrase that's used in, in sports today, and it's called playing hurt. And that is when you have some kind of injury, but you play anyhow. And you know, they, they, they guesstimate that every single top-notch professional sportsman or sports lady is playing with some degree of pain. Almost everyone does. And Paul here is showing that this is not something that's only for the sports world. In Christianity, he is playing with pain. 
Uh, he doesn't mention it here, but he has a, a thorn. Remember that description he says? I had a thorn in my flesh. Many believe his had weak eyesight. You add that to everything else. I don't think he was walking around with a pair of contacts in. There was, there was endurance that Paul was having to experience. Um, how does it look like? We're going to look at Paul's first missionary journey, and then we're going to take time and look at one experience in his second missionary journey. So that's, our, that's what our talk is going to be today. First missionary journey, we're going to answer what? Second missionary journey, we're going to look at one experience, and in that story, we're hoping to answer a couple other questions. Uh, Acts chapter 13, the first missionary journey of Paul. Acts chapter 13, Paul and, excuse me, it's Saul at this point, and Barnabas are chosen to be missionaries. Um, it's actually at this time you see the name change from Saul to Paul in Acts chapter 13. They start their first work in a town called Antioch in Pisidia, and it's actually going pretty good. In fact, it's so well, Acts 13 verse 42 describes what happens. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, Acts 13, 42, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So he had gone into a synagogue, he had preached that Sabbath, Jews and Gentiles came and listened, they were amazed at what they heard, and the Gentiles said, we want to hear this again next Sabbath. Interesting, the Gentiles were worshiping there on Saturday, Sabbath. You find that interesting, same time as the Jews. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and divine proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And then verse 44, something that I wish would take place to us here today. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. The whole city came together to hear God's word being spoken. Was there a success in Antioch of Pisidia? Absolutely. The whole city is coming together to hear what is taking place. Notice in verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Soon as you see good things happening, Satan comes in and tries to mess things up. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul's not backing off on them. And then he says in verse 47, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have sent you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Lord. And as many as been appointed to eternal life, believed. I want to note something. When Paul starts running into f negative feedback from the Jewish leadership, he doesn't stop preaching. We can't miss that. Endurance is when you run into something that's difficult, you don't stop. This is a definition for endurance, if you will. When I run into difficulty, when things get hard for me, endurance is to continue in spite of the opposition that I face. And that's what we see Paul doing. Let's continue on in our story. Verse 50, it says, The Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. They're kicked out. They endured, and now they're kicked out. 
So what do you do when you're kicked out of Antioch and Pisidia? You say, God, I don't have the calling to be a missionary. I'm going to go home to Jerusalem and nurse my wounds. Is that what they did? Absolutely not. Let's notice what takes place. It says that uh, verse 52, and the disciples were filled with anger, filled with depression, filled with stress. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When things get difficult, and they will, when things get difficult, we look at it and to be filled with joy, I'm not sure I fully grasp this because if I'm like some of you, I'm not speaking about you, but I'll speak for me. Joy is not my first feeling when things are difficult. It's just not. But we see that in the life of Paul. What happens? Instead of going to Jerusalem, it says that um, they went to Iconium. Actually, that was in verse 51. Verse 40, 14, chapter 14, verse 1 says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. So here it is. They go to the next city. It says they so spake in such a way that there was this positive result in belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Aren't you glad that they did not quit? Are you glad that they endured? I am. The people in Iconium were glad that they endured. And then it says in verse 2, but. It's what happens. When you're doing something for God, you're almost always expecting to see that word but come in. And here it is. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Um, it says later that the city was divided in two. This is verse 4. And verse 5 says, A violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. So here they are. They're doing a good work. The Lord has blessed their work. And persecution comes. This is the time sometimes when I hear people say and I hear my mind say, okay, maybe you're not doing the right thing, Chuck. Have you ever thought that way? When it gets difficult, and I'm not just talking about a little bit of difficulty here. It's not like you had a bad day and you woke up and it was raining. You find out that people are about to take your life and you say, you know what? If people are taking my life, maybe it's a sign from God I need to try something else. Right? Does Paul say that? No, not at all. He escapes. He escapes to go back to Jerusalem. No. He doesn't escape to go back to Jerusalem. Here's what it says. They became aware of it, verse 6, and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. I'm not going back. I have a calling. I have a place I need to go. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to endure. Endurance is willing to keep on preaching no matter what. By the way, when I'm persecuted, I keep on teaching. I keep on whatever God's asked me to do. That's what endurance is. Verse 14, um, 
uh, excuse me, chapter 14 and verse 8, you see this story of what happens in Lystra. They show up. They, uh, Paul sees a man who he, he feels has faith to be healed. He heals the man. The whole city says, wow, the gods have come down to us in flesh. And, and they set up an altar and they start to, they're about to sacrifice and a sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, they called Zeus or Jupiter. And they called Paul, I think it was Hermes or Mercury. He was the speaker. And so they said, we're going to sacrifice to you as the gods. We're going to treat you as gods. And Paul's like, no, you can't do that. Please don't do that. And so they said, okay. And then they stoned them. If you ever make your decisions on whether you're worth something based upon human opinion, fickle human opinion, you're wasting your time. Here they went from being a god to being stoned uh, in the eyes of these people. So what happens when Paul is stoned? Let's look at verse 19. Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, by the way, it's, it's the Jews that are doing this again, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Amazing. He goes to the next city to preach. But after he was stoned, where did he go? He went back into the city that stoned him. I'm always amazed at this. Paul understands the concept of endure. So what does it mean to endure? It means to keep on doing what God's asked you to do. It means to keep on doing it even when you're persecuted, when you are lied about. Keep on doing what God asked you to do. You know what? If you get picked out of the city, you pick yourself back up and you say, you know what? I'm going to do it in the next place. Now, what I'm saying sounds really nice when I'm preaching up here in a suit. It's another thing when it hits the real world. But the reality is you and I are having it hit in our faces today. Endurance is something that we need more than we've ever needed it before. Because quite frankly, sitting there with a mask, I'm glad I don't have a mask on right now. Sitting there with a mask takes endurance. Having to go through the, 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 the different social isolation that may take place requires endurance. People looking at you funny and now you're always a dangerous person requires endurance. Working in a setting that's not the way it used to be and never knowing when you could catch it requires endurance. I praise God for those of you in here who are in the ministry of work where you're ministering to other people. I praise God for your endurance. I thank you for that. Those of you who are watching right now, I praise God for the endurance of our church members who are putting themselves on the front lines to minister in some way or another. And by the way, have you noticed that I, would, I don't necessarily consider this pure ministry? Ministry is God using you to do what he's asked you to do. That's ministry. And in that way, all of us are ministers at this time. Um, so we've looked at the what endurance looks like. Persecution doesn't stop Paul. He endures. He continues on. Let's look at his story. The next missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas are not together now. It's Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're going to take some time looking at this story, and we're going to answer why and how. We're looking at endurance. We've answered what. 
We're going to be looking at the why and how of endurance in this second story of Paul, uh, second section here, Paul, and he is going to be in the city of Philippi. He is in the city of Philippi. Acts chapter 16, and you can, um, we will start with verse 13. Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So Paul and Silas with their whole group, it's Sabbath. There's probably no synagogue in the city. We get that impression. There's no place to worship. And so they say, we're going to worship someplace. It's Sabbath. Let's worship. So they went to a place that says by the riverside where prayer was wanted to be made. Maybe you don't want to have a church service in the marketplace. It's going to be too difficult. So we go out. We have our church service in nature. We're enjoying it. And they speak to some of the ladies who are coming there. One of them was a lady named Lydia. Now, we've just gone through a, a section on a three, seven churches of Revelation. Lydia was from one of them. She was from Thyatira. And she was a seller of purple, which is one of the trades that we learned about was in Thyatira. As she sat and listened, it made sense to her. And she decides to accept the message that Paul has to give, and she becomes a follower of Jesus. Uh, a beautiful story. It says here um, in verse 15, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. So the whole team now is taking, uh, camping out, if you will, at Lydia's house. What happens next? They start living their lives in Philippi. God had told them to go to Philippi. And he's ministering. And he said, we were going out to pray. And there was this girl that would follow us. And she was demon-possessed. And when she would follow, she would say, these are the servants of the Most High God. And I first read this story, I thought that's probably a good thing. I mean, free advertising. But um, it wasn't the kind of advertising Paul wanted. Because that kind of advertising, uh, that was actually drawing attention to the demon-possessed girl instead of drawing true attention to the message of Paul and Silas and their team. They were preaching truth and yet here was a demon-possessed person, and Satan was actually using her to try to discredit, if you will, make it look like they were the same group, and they weren't in the same group. So Paul looks around. I like I liked the way it says in the King James Version. It says, he was distressed. Uh, New King James says he was annoyed. I prefer distressed, okay? And he turned around and said, no, this is not acceptable. Get out of her. And instantly, the demon leaves this woman. Now, this girl really wasn't a good girl. She bought a lot of money to those who owned her, but she caused a lot of hassle in the city as well. And you can read about this if you do some background on it. She, was, she caused enough stress so that the city was probably thankful that she was healed. But her owners were not because they had used her divination skills to bring in some extra money. And so there is an uproar that's made. In fact, let's look at it. Verse 16, verse 19. Acts chapter 16 and verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, you notice that. Money is such a motivating factor. When they see the hope of profit is gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them 
into the marketplace and to the authorities. And when they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Success of the gospel is sure to draw fire from Satan. If you've been attacked by Satan, sometimes it's because you're doing the right thing. You know, um, sometimes people get things messed up. They feel that difficulties are a sign that God's not with them. When reality, sometimes difficulties are a sign that God is with you. Now, sometimes I know we bring difficulties on ourselves. But I would say a lot of times when difficulties come, we need to stop blaming God for the difficulties that come our direction. Because it's often a sign that God is with us. A beautiful picture. You say, well, I don't know. If this difficulty comes when God's with you, who wants to be with God? Well, I can tell you the difficulties that come with God, it's better to endure than the difficulties that come apart from God. Verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates, said, These men exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to observe or um, uh, to receive or to observe. I wanted to, to note here that the real issue really wasn't customs or laws. The real issue was profit. And, and, that, and you can see this. They were actually making this city a better place. This demon-possessed woman being cured was actually making the city a better place. But that's not how it's being presented here. Let's read verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stalks. Now, I've always looked at prisons, and somehow I have the prisons from London in my mind. When I think of an old prison, it's a great castle surrounded by a moat, and you got this. But uh, the prisons in Philippi were a little different. They were kind of underground. Um, you can see some of the prisons today, if you go and look at the Philippian jail, you can go look at it. I had a friend of mine who did. I did not, but she took some pictures and shared them with me. The inner prison is as far in as you can possibly get. There is no light. There is very little oxygen. It is damp. It is ugly. It is not a good place. Only the very worst criminals are put in the inner prison. But the jailer knew, I can't let them go, so I'm putting them in there because if I let them go, I'm in serious trouble. Um, there's a, a statement from a book called Acts of the Apostles, page 213. It says this. The apostles suffer extreme torture because of the painful position in which they were left. But they did not murmur. And this goes through our next verse, but I'll go ahead with it. Instead, in utter darkness and desolation of the dungeon, they encouraged each other by words of prayer and sang praises to God because they were found worthy to suffer shame for His sake. Praying and praising in this time. Would I have remembered God in the inner prison? Would you have remembered God 
in the inner prison, utter darkness, utter desolation, do we remember God in those times? I think that's the question that would be here. It's, it's sometimes easy to focus on ourselves and forget why God put us where he put us. It's easy for me to rethink about my current difficulties, my current discouragement, and not remember God. And yet here we have them remembering God by praying and praising. Um, Meanwhile, the magistrates are on their way back. Paul and Silas are in inner prison. They are, by the way, if your feet are in stocks in the inner prison, it's probably not a pleasant scenario. I don't know exactly what it was like, but if you've been beaten and scourged and you've got your bloody back uh, up against dirt, who knows how many rats were in there, probably hoping to get a little bit of meat before you were completely out. Your feet is stuck up in stalks. It's really not comfortable in any way, shape, or form. And that's the scenario that we find them in. While they're sitting there like that, praying and praising, the magistrates are on their way home, and the magistrates are saying, ha ha, we got them. In fact, here's what it says in a, uh, a same book, Acts of the Apostles 2.14. They congratulated themselves that by their prompt and decisive measures they had quelled a tumult. But on the way, they heard further particulars concerning the work and character of the men they had sentenced to scourging and imprisonment. They saw the woman who had been freed from satanic influence and were struck by the change in her countenance and demeanor. In the past, she had caused the city much trouble, but now she was quiet and peaceable. As they realized that in all probability they had visited upon two innocent men the rigorous penalty of the Roman law, they were indignant with themselves and decided that in the morning they would command that the apostles be privately released and escorted from the city beyond the danger of the violence of the mob. Magistrates see it. We did something that wasn't right. As we're coming back, we're seeing the fruit of their labor, and it's good. You know what? We may have to get rid of them privately, because, and the reason for them doing it privately is they said, we don't want the whole mob to get riled up again. We need to let them go. Verse 25, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were doing what? Listening to them. I like this. Not only is their endurance incredible, but their, the way they endured revealed a greater power was at work in them. Endurance is one thing. How you endure shows a whole lot more. Um, I don't think it's possible to have the kind of endurance that Paul and Silas had if you're not praying. If you're not in connection with God, that kind of endurance, not, not just saying, okay, we're not going to die, we're going to be tough, we're going to hold on, we're going to grit our teeth and make it through, that's not what Paul and Silas were doing. When life was difficult, instead of gritting their teeth and bearing it, they said, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Can you imagine them singing that in the prison? It doesn't make sense. What's another praise song? Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. 
Can you imagine that coming from the inner prison? What kind of songs would they be singing? Yes, we don't know the hymns of the early church that well. But this was the songs in times of trial. This is the songs that they were singing. This endurance does not happen by human strength alone. So there's a how-to that I like to say, and I believe that how-to is endurance. The way you can endure as a Christian in difficult times is recognizing God in your trial. A way that you can endure in the difficulties you face is recognizing God in your trial. I'm not saying that God is the cause of it. That's not what I'm saying. But you must see Him where you're at. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? For He is with me. It's reckoning, recognizing God in the midst of our trials that makes it possible to endure. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 43, verse 2 says, When thou walkest through the waters, I will be with you. This is not a mud puddle. This is when water comes into a point where it's overwhelming you and you can't swim. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Endurance happens when we recognize God in the midst of our trial. That's how to do it. See Him, acknowledge Him, recognize Him. Um, verse 26. Oh, uh, one thought. You know who went to sleep that night listening to hymns? The jailer. Thank you. The jailer went to sleep that night listening to hymns. The last thing he hears as he closes his eyes and goes off to sleep because he's staying there. He didn't go home to hang out with his family while this notorious prisoners were in the inner prison. He's going to make sure they don't get out. So as he's there and he's listening to the singing, he dozes off to sleep. And the next thing he hears is verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. This was not just a little earthquake that went dee, 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 and the doors pop open. My wife and I were sitting at our table in California. So now you know what I'm about to tell you about an earthquake story, right? And we were in... Uh, Weimar, we were at our little kitchen table and we sat there and I felt this little boom, 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 like a vibration, like a big truck drove by. And then it was done. And we found out later that an earthquake had, had struck not too far or had taken place not too far from where we were at. But uh, it all just felt like a, a big truck had gone by. This is not a big truck going by. This earthquake is the very walls shaking, doors are popping open, chains are falling off. Now, chains are falling off supernaturally because God opens them. But you have to realize the chains are also attached to walls, and the walls are crumbling. It is a very incredible scene that the jailer wakes up to see. What caused the earthquake? I believe it was the angels on their way. The very footsteps of angels cause earthquakes. That was the earthquake that happened when Jesus was resurrected from the tomb. Angel footsteps cause earthquakes, I believe. I have a question for you. Paul is now free. 
uh, we, we find out that uh, he doesn't escape. In fact, we should read that, verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because if the prisoners got away under his watch, he would be killed anyhow. If you were a jailer and the prisoners got away, they would kill you because you didn't do your job. So he figured, I might as well take care of it myself. Get it done with. And there's a little bit more honor to killing yourself than having someone else kill you, at least in their thinking, um, at this time for this reason. Verse 28, but Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. I've got a question for you, and I want to ask a question, and I think this could help us. Why? Why didn't God take care of Paul sooner? No, 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 no. Think about it. In Corinth and in Ephesus, a few chapters later, Paul never goes to jail. The magistrates free them. God intervenes beforehand. Why did God let his servant go through this? He was preaching the right message. He was doing the right job. He was working for God. Why would God allow Paul to go through the experience of the Philippian jail? Absolutely. Because God's story is bigger than just ours. God's goals involve you and every other person on the planet. Your suffering, if it can bring glory to God and help someone else, He will allow it. Now, there are times when I've looked at suffering that I've experienced and said, God, I, you can't be getting any glory out of this. I can't take much more. Where is the glory for you out of this? And sometimes I forget that it's more than just me. That God is looking at a bigger picture. His ultimate goal is salvation of souls, not the comfort of Chuck Holtry. His ultimate goal is that people will be able to spend eternity in heaven with Him. Not that so you and I can have a few extra dollars or a few extra years or a few extra whatever it is here. That's not God's ultimate goal. He loves us too much for that. And He loves the other people around us too much for that. If God had freed them before the Philippian jail, I don't think we would see verse 29. Then He called for a light, that is the jailer, ran in and fell down before trembling before Paul and Silas. He would never heard of Paul and Silas. Now he falls down trembling before them. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> I look at it and just shake my head. Wow. They were Christian soldiers. They had endured hardship for the sake of Jesus Christ. They had endured difficult times so that they could bring other sons to glory. That is the picture we have here. I can say it with a smile now because I'm not Paul and Silas. I can say it here because I have it easy. I'm in North America and I'm not persecuted for what I'm sharing with you today. In fact, some of you might even say thank you. They were persecuted for what they said. And yet they praised him still. They were persecuted for what they did, 
and yet they prayed. What incredible story. So they said, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Notice what they didn't do. They did not say, if you give a donation to our ministry, please don't get me wrong. But what is the preeminent thought in the mind of Paul and Silas? Salvation of souls. That's it. Here's an opportunity. There's souls to be saved. Let's do it. It's not me, my ministry. It is God's work. That's the big picture. I I love the story as we see it. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all who were in his house. There's a preaching service that takes place. I have a feeling the jailer and Mrs. Jailer would not have heard a sermon if it wasn't for Paul and Silas being in the jail. So now they're listening to this sermon. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now... When he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The people who are successful in life, be those who are striving for a physical prize or a spiritual one, are those who endure when the going is tough. They endured, and they were able to see the fruit of their labor. Why? Is endurance necessary? Because God's end goals are not our physical freedom so much as our spiritual freedom. That's why we endure. How do we endure? By recognizing God in the circumstances we face. Another why we endure is this. Difficulties aren't a sign that we're doing something bad. They could be a sign that we're doing something good. And what is endurance? What is endurance? It's continuing on the path God has placed you on regardless of what you face. So I hope you don't mind. This is a little bit of a a class on endurance. Um, There's another thing that helps a person endure. Acts chapter 18 and verse 10. Acts chapter 18 and verse 10. So when you're looking at endure, like any other thing in your life, if you're a student, those of you who are students here in school, this is for you. Who, what, where, when, why, and how, right? We ask these questions to help us learn more about something. Well, there's one, we've looked at the what's, and we looked at how, and we looked at why, but there's one more I want to look at, and it's who, okay? Acts chapter 18 and verse 10, starting with verse 9, Acts 18 verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. He's in Corinth now. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And in Corinth he says this. Uh, He added this, which he did not add in Philippi. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. For I am with you. Yes, he was with him in Corinth, and he wasn't attacked. But would you say God was with him in Philippi? Yes. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is God with you? When you walk through the waters, is God with you? 
when you're part of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you happen to be in a fiery furnace, is God with you? We know the answer. We too often believe that good things happen when we're good and bad things happen when we're bad. And too often we forget that God is with those who are in trial. God is beside them when they go through difficult times. When things aren't easy, doesn't mean God is absent. In fact, it's then that He is present. We can trust that God is with us. Endurance. Endurance. My prayer for you, for me, is that we will recognize God in the circumstances we face. We will recognize that His end goals are not our end goals. That we will trust Him and recognize also that we can endure because He is with us. Probably at this time of year, when we discuss endurance and we look at Memorial Day, a person that sticks in our mind is a famous private medic by the name of Desmond Doss. My father was a medic in Vietnam, and so I was especially attracted to the medic story of Desmond Doss, a man who was determined to not carry a weapon, but he was going to live his life in service and helping other people. Those of you who have read the story of Desmond Doss, um, uh, there was a book that was written decades ago that I, I loved. Um, it was called, you should never, ever not have it in your notes. That's, what it, that's the problem. Um, the uh, Unlikeliest Hero, that's the title, The Unlikeliest Hero. If you have a copy, it's an older book. Uh, some of the newer ones just don't give you some of the details, but the unlikeliest hero. And as you read the story of Desmond Doss, and you realize how his own men didn't like him. They, they, they made mockery of him. So what's going to happen? You refuse to carry a gun, so when the going gets tough, you're going to let people kill us, and you're just going to sit and watch it happen. And it was in that incredible battle there in the South Pacific when he risked his life time and time and time again in the face of enemy fire to save his own men, we realize something about Desmond Doss. As a soldier, he had to endure. He endured mockery of fellow soldiers. It changed, by the way, to complete respect. But he endured it to start with. He endured difficult times. He endured being a soldier in the battlefield, not knowing if I get over the top, am I going to die or not? He endured seeing the emotional stress of the soldiers around him throwing up in sheer fear what was about to take place. He endured bullets busying by his head. He endured the, the, the smell and the sounds of death everywhere. He endured because he had a reason to endure, and that was to save other people. Endurance was for the purpose of helping others. Today, some of you are having to endure, and you may not know why you're enduring, but I believe that in your enduring, God is using you to be a witness to other people. It's your endurance that speaks to those of us who don't know what you're enduring as well. See, 
I'm convinced that we don't all know what each other faces. But someday we will. And someday when it comes out what you've faced, your endurance will speak volumes that nothing else can do. It's enduring when no one knows that's hard. But if you do it, I believe that God is going to use your testimony in a powerful way. This morning as I close, I want to ask a question of you. Are you willing to ask God to help you to endure? Sometimes it's a hard thing to do. Just admitting that my life is difficult, I don't want to endure, it's hard. But maybe we need to say, God, I want you to help me. I want to help you endure because we need the who for endurance. It's him who's with me that helps me endure. May God give us strength to do that. I'd like to pray for us to that end. Father in heaven, the life of Paul has spoken to us. We have seen that endurance comes because we're connected with you. You're with us in difficult times. You don't always remove us, but you always use us. Please, Father, I pray that you would draw close to each person in this room. I also pray, Father, that you be with those who are watching online right now. Give us strength, Father, to endure. And may we endure not in our own strength, but because you are with us. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing home, hymn will be number 612, uh, Onward Christian Soldiers. You can feel free to stand if you'd like to, those of you who are here. If you're at home and you don't want to stand, but you, you don't have to, but if you want to stand at home, you can as well. Nothing like standing in front of your couch.